Number five of London Ancient and Modern. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter two London from the Medical Point of View. Part two The College of Physicians the time was now at hand when the first step was to be taken to give the profession a position of independence and to allow it to regulate its own affairs without reference to ecclesiastical dignitaries we owe this in all probability to thomas Leinecker, who possessed the confidence of cardinal wolsey and probably also of the king be that as it may on september twenty third fifteen eighteen letters patent were granted constituting the royal college of physicians by this instrument the college was given the control of all medical practitioners in london and within seven miles of it and none were to be allowed to practise unless previously examined by the college four years later these powers were extended to the whole of england except in the case of university graduates the charter and subsequent act gave ample power to the college to regulate its affairs and accorded privileges and exemptions to the physicians similar to those previously accorded to the surgeons the great fact however was the power of controlling the profession and it must be remembered that the censors had power to fine and imprison delinquents in henry's charter six persons were named viz john chamber thomas lanneker ferdinand de victoria nicholas halswell john francis and robert yaxley and it will be interesting to consider the personality of some of these founders of the royal college the real founder and first president was thomas lanneker who was born in fourteen sixty having graduated at oxford and become a fellow of all souls in fourteen eighty four he went abroad in fourteen eighty five and visited bologna florence where he enjoyed the friendship of lorenzo de medici rome venice and the famous school of padua where he took the degree of m d in fifteen o one he was appointed physician and preceptor to prince arthur and also physician to henry the seventh he was also physician to henry the eighth and it is recorded that he was consulted by many men of note notably cardinal wolsey and erasmus he took holy orders in fifteen o nine and the same year was presented to the rectory of mersham then became prebend of wells fifteen ten rector of hawkehurst fifteen ten canon of st stephen's westminster prebend of york fifteen seventeen presenter of york fifteen nineteen rector of halsworthy devon fifteen eighteen and rector of wigan lancashire fifteen twenty this list of eight clerical benefices in almost as many years benefices which were probably given as professional fees and which were probably passed on as soon as given to a successor for a consideration throws a curious light on the state of the church and helps us to understand the crash which was so soon to come it is interesting as showing the origin of the medical within the clerical profession to remember that the first president of the college of physicians was the rector of four parishes the occupant of two prebendal stalls a canon and a precentor we all owe a debt of gratitude to lenniker he not only obtained the charter for the college but gave his house in knightrider street which is a street running parallel to part of queen victoria street e c as a meeting-place for the new corporation 
all who are competent to judge seem agreed in stating that lenniker was one of the greatest scholars of his age and possessed a knowledge of latin and greek which for that time was quite exceptionally great he founded lectureships at oxford and cambridge he died in fifteen twenty four six years after the foundation of the college and was buried in old st paul's where in fifteen fifty seven keyes erected a monument with an epitaph of his own composing of john chambre the first person named in the charter we know little but it is interesting to note that he was a fellow of merton college oxford that he studied at padua that he was physician to the king that he was censor of the college in fifteen twenty three that he was doubly a vicar doubly an archdeacon a prebend a canon and a dean and the treasurer of bath cathedral he died in fifteen forty nine of the other four persons named in the charter we know very little and they need not detain us lenniker's house which was given by its owner was the first home of the college of physicians was occupied by the college until sixteen fourteen and remained the property of the college until eighteen sixty when it was taken for the crown by an act of parliament only the front part of the house was given to lineker the back part belonging to merton college oxford which is one of the many connections between merton college and the college of physicians the house represented at page sixty one was certainly not lineker's original dwelling we have thus seen the science of medicine in london beginning with the clergy then organized under the supervision of bishops and deans and finally with an independent controlling body of which the early members were many of them in holy orders it will now be convenient to trace the subsequent history of the college of physicians and i shall endeavour to bring before the mind's eye some of its most remarkable early fellows and in so doing i shall hope to give some idea of the condition of medicine in london in the days of the tudor and stuart sovereigns my information on these points is mainly drawn from dr monk's learned work entitled the role of the royal college of physicians of london a very prominent figure in the early history of medicine in london was john kay or keys as he called himself well known by name at least in connection with gonville and keys college cambridge which he enlarged and endowed keys was born in fifteen ten and studied at gonville hall cambridge which was ultimately to be better known by his own name he went to padua in fifteen thirty nine and lived in the same house with the celebrated anatomist vesalius he became professor of greek at padua and took the m d there in fifteen forty one he became fellow of royal college of physicians in fifteen forty seven and settled in london in fifteen fifty two he was president of the college in fifteen fifty five he was physician to edward the sixth mary and elizabeth but he is said to have been removed from the latter position because of his romish tendencies he died in fifteen seventy three at his house in bartholomew close and was buried in the chapel of keys college with the epitaph fui keys keys was certainly rich as is shown by his splendid munificence at cambridge although he was much occupied at cambridge in the latter years of his life he was frequently re-elected to the presidency of the college the last time being in fifteen seventy one the frequent re-election of a president who was latterly much of an absentee may have been from the hope that the college would ultimately obtain some of his great wealth 
but if this were so of which indeed there is no evidence the college was doomed to disappointment keyes appears to have had great regard for form and order he was the inventor of the insignia of office the silver wand the book of statutes and the cushion which are still used by the president of the college on the occasion of the funeral of dr bartlett in fifteen fifty six we learn that the college attended in state and that the book of statutes adorned with silver was carried before the president keyes was very punctilious about the respect to be paid to the dead and we find it laid down in the statutes of keyes college that the president fellows and students are to attend the funerals of subjects used for dissection with as much reverence and pomp as though it were the corpse of some more worthy person because of the advantage which they had derived from it keyes kept the accounts of the college with great accuracy and in fifteen sixty on the termination of his first six years of office handed over the whole of the funds to his successor amounting to fifty five pounds thirteen shillings threepence he wrote out the annals of the college with his own hand and thus did much to establish order in the proceedings his love of what we should call ritual seems to have led him into trouble in his later years and a large amount of material connected with religious ceremonial which was found in keyes college was burnt by order of the vice-chancellor keyes was a profound scholar and edited many of the writings of galen celsus and hippocrates he was also a naturalist and wrote a treatise on british dogs his only original medical work was a book or counsel against the sweat a treatise in fact on the sweating sickness strangely enough the first edition was in english but its ultimate appearance was in orthodox latin he was much concerned about the faulty pronunciation of latin in this country and tried to introduce the continental method of pronouncing the vowels to which he had become accustomed during his long residence abroad he was something of an antiquary and proved to his own satisfaction that the university of cambridge was founded by canterbury b c three ninety four he defended the privileges of the college and in a case tried before the lord mayor in the reign of elizabeth as to the right of surgeons to give internal remedies for the sciatica and so forth the evidence of president keyes seems to have convinced the court that they had no such right the name of keyes is inseparably connected with the teaching of anatomy in this country when king henry the eighth in fifteen forty gave the charter to the barber surgeons of which i shall have more to say hereafter the following important clause formed part of the charter the said masters or governors of the mystery and commonality of barbers and surgeons of london and their successors yearly forever after their said discretions at their free liberty and pleasure shall and may have and take without contradiction four persons condemned adjudged and put to death for felony by the due order of the king's laws of this realm for anatomies without any further suit or labour to be made to the king's highness his heirs and successors for the same when the first anatomy lectures were given at barber surgeons hall is not quite clear but according to south it was before fifteen sixty three and according to sir george baker dr keyes was the first lecturer appointed and this appointment was made shortly after his return from italy which was in fifteen forty seven 
it was during keyes's lifetime and while he was taking an active interest in the college although not actually president namely in fifteen sixty five that queen elizabeth accorded to the physicians facilities with regard to anatomy similar to those enjoyed by the barber surgeons and it is evident from the statute of keyes college which i just now read and which has been kindly brought to my notice by mr ransom that keyes made proper arrangements for the teaching of anatomy in connection with his cambridge foundation anatomy is the very groundwork of medicine and without it it can have no existence as a branch of science undoubtedly we owe a deep debt of gratitude to the barber surgeons to the college of physicians and to dr keyes i cannot dismiss this remarkable man without further illustrating his character by recalling three events which took place at the college during the time that keyes was president in fifteen fifty eight christopher langton m d f r c p was expelled from the college for rashness levity and foolish contentions with his colleagues at consultations as well as for incontinency five years later for this latter failing this worthy was carted through london in a ridiculous attire in fifteen fifty nine john gaines m d f r c p was cited before the college for impugning the infallibility of galen on his acknowledgment of error and humble recantation he was received into the college in fifteen fifty six the college objected to the admission by the university of oxford of one david lawton an illiterate coppersmith the college laid before cardinal pole and the visitors the following instance of his illiteracy cuius infantia cum suggestit ut quomodo corpus declinaritur exerimus respondit hic hic et hoc corpus accusativo corporum adding egregius certa ex universitate medicus qui humana vita cometeritur this objection was successful clearly formal president keyes was not the man to countenance loose morals heterodoxy or bad grammar we must not dismiss keyes without alluding to the doctor keyes of shakespeare as drawn in the merry wives of windsor shakespeare's keyes is described as a french physician and throughout the play he is made to speak broken english keyes died in fifteen seventy three when the poet was ten years old and it is very probable that shakespeare borrowed the name without thinking of the man on the other hand it must be remembered that keyes probably spoke latin like a frenchman and that he lost favour at the court of elizabeth and it is possible that shakespeare may have heard him held up to ridicule but to proceed with the history of the college and its relations to medical education in fifteen eighty one dr caldwell and lord lumley founded the lumleyan's lectures in anatomy and surgery and the importance of this foundation will be appreciated when it is stated that harvey was lumleyan lecturer from sixteen fifteen to sixteen fifty six and that it was in these lectures that the great fact of the circulation was first demonstrated in fifteen eighty seven we find the college renting a garden for forty marks a year and engaging john gerard the author of the well-known herbal to keep it stocked for them with rare plants gerard himself had a garden in holborn where among other things he propagated the potato 
william gilbert who was president of the college in sixteen hundred was the first really scientific fellow he was physician to elizabeth and james i and his great work on magnetism de magnete magnetisci corporibus e de magno magnete tellurae physiologa nova commanded the admiration of bacon and galileo and of many succeeding generations of scientists it is a work worthy of being placed alongside of harvey's work on the circulation and the college of physicians is honoured to have reckoned him among its presidents the importance of gilbert's investigations to a great naval power seems to have been recognised by queen elizabeth who to her great honour assisted him with a pension he died in sixteen o three aged sixty three and was buried at colchester he was the contemporary of shakespeare and bacon and was one of those who helped to make the elizabethan era the wonder of all subsequent generations the post-mortem examination made on the body of james i is an interesting record of the state of pathology in sixteen twenty five it is recorded that the head was found so full of brains that they could not keep them from spilling a great mark of his infinite judgment but his blood was wonderfully tainted with melancholy and the corruption thereof was the supposed cause of his death i have now to mention the man who above all others has tended by his work to make medicine a science and who probably did much by his lectures at the college to disseminate a knowledge of anatomy and physiology harvey was the first english physiologist and lectured for forty-one years at the royal college of physicians on anatomy and surgery william harvey fifteen seventy eight to sixteen fifty seven went to padua in fifteen ninety eight and studied under fabricius menados and caesarius and took his m d in sixteen o two he came to london in sixteen o four became f r c p in sixteen o seven and succeeded dr wilkinson at st bartholomew's in sixteen o nine he was lumleian lecturer in sixteen fifteen he expounded as is supposed the doctrine of the circulation in sixteen sixteen and finally published his views in sixteen twenty eight he was physician to james i in sixteen eighteen in sixteen thirty eight he was appointed physician in ordinary to charles i and there is a curious order in the letter-book of the lord steward's office for the settling a diet of three dishes of meat and meal with all incidents thereunto belonging upon the said dr harvey which daily diet was subsequently commuted for two hundred pounds a year harvey followed the fortunes of the king and was at the battle of edgehill in sixteen forty two meanwhile his house in london was plundered of goods and anatomical records he became warden of merton college oxford in sixteen forty five from which post he was ousted by the parliament in sixteen forty six by the solicitation of sir george ent he was induced to publish his work on generation in sixteen fifty one he gave a new library and museum to the college of physicians in sixteen fifty three whereupon the fellows placed his statue in their hall and in his absence elected him president in sixteen fifty four which honour however he gracefully declined and recommended the college to elect dr prugene instead he remained lumley and lecturer until sixteen fifty six when he resigned and presented the college with his patrimonial estate at burmarsh kent 
he died of the gout in sixteen fifty seven in his eightieth year in his will he says i give to the college of physicians all my books and papers and my best persia long carpet and my blue satin embroidered cushion one pair of brass and irons with fire shovel and tongues of brass for the ornament of the meeting-room i have erected for the purpose item i give my velvet gown to my loving friend mr dr scarborough desiring him and my loving friend mr dr ent to look over those scattered remnants of my poor library and what books papers or rare collection they shall think fit to present to the college and the rest to be sold and with the money buy better thus it will be seen that harvey is not only the greatest ornament of the college but also its greatest benefactor he was the second in order of time of the great lights of science connected with the college gilbert being the first his will is interesting from the choice of his executors who were both fellows of the royal society and leaders of science and secondly by the mention of the velvet gown which possibly is the one represented as worn by sir c scarborough in the picture at barber's hall i abstain from any mention of harvey's great discovery because we all know it and appreciate it and no words of mine could increase your admiration i may here mention that in sixteen fourteen the house in knightrider street had become too small for the business of the college and accordingly new premises were taken on lease from the dean and chapter of st paul's at amen corner at the end of paternoster row a botanical garden was planted and a theatre was built and here it was that harvey made the college a present of a great parlour and a museum which he erected at his own cost the garden extended from the old bailey to the church of st martin ludgate and included the site of the present stationers hall the museum and library soon became enriched by many contributions the greater part of which were however unhappily destroyed by the fire in sixteen sixty six dr gulston f r c p sixteen eleven founded by will the gulstonian lectures to be read between michaelmas and easter by one of the four youngest doctors of the college sir theodore mayern f r c p sixteen sixteen was by birth a swiss protestant and after serving as physician to henry the fourth of france settled in london where he became physician to james the first and his queen and subsequently to charles the first he was the fashionable physician of his day and was one of the first to use chemical medicines which was looked upon as heretical by the strict galenists who used only simples drawn from organic nature he introduced calomel and blackwash wrote the dedication to the first edition of the pharmacopoeia londonensis sixteen eighteen accumulated great wealth and died at chelsea in sixteen fifty five sir charles scarborough succeeded harvey as lumleian lecturer and was lecturer on anatomy to the barber surgeons he was physician to charles the second james the second and william the third and was a great mathematician baldwin hamy jr f r c p sixteen thirty four 
a devoted royalist and churchman enjoyed a lucrative practice among amorous parliamentary puritans he presented the lease of the college in amen corner to his colleagues sixteen fifty one contributed largely to its rebuilding after the fire and left it a considerable landed estate near ongar in essex francis glisson f r c p sixteen thirty five regius professor of physic at cambridge was president of the college in sixteen sixty seven eight and nine he wrote a treatise on rickets was a serious anatomist wrote a treatise on the anatomy of the liver and has given us glisson's capsule as a record of his industry and talent he was one of the original members of the royal society and one of the few of the fellows of the college who stopped in london during the plague he was a friend of anthony ashley earl of shaftesbury we are indebted to dr glisson for positive additions to our knowledge of the human body and he is to be regarded as the third in order of time of the scientific fellows thomas wharton f r c p sixteen fifty thomas willis f r c p sixteen sixty four and richard lower f r c p sixteen seventy five were three earnest and distinguished anatomists who added new facts to medicine and whose names are still enshrined in our anatomical nomenclature end of part five